This is the Pathways Podcast. This podcast exists to help you find completeness in Jesus. Guys, that, that was just, that was beautiful, I think. Guys, it is prime time weather for fire pits, for a bonfire, for hanging out outside. And obviously we can't have a fire inside, so we've got this guy and some ambiance to really help us understand just how great of a time it is to have fire. It's not too hot, it's not too cold, it's perfect. And this is a time where I am definitely very glad that I don't live in Arizona anymore because not kidding, it's still over 100 degrees there and a fire just would be a little bit overkill. It'd be like, I already feel like my body's on fire, so why would I have a fire next to me as well? Just a little bit, a little bit weird. Uh, do, you, do you guys like fires? Like, do you like putting a fire in your backyard? Show of hands. You guys kind of like the thing? Or maybe any s'mores people in the room? Like six marshmallows, seven Reese's, some Hershey's. Like, have you ever done the Reese's thing? If you've not done it, l- open your eyes to a whole new experience of s'mores. It's incredible. It's incredible. Or maybe uh, anyone, anyone in here like a little bit of an arsonist, and they're just like, I want to throw anything and everything possible into the fire and watch it burn. You're like, this grass and paper and a bunny. And you're like, whoa, that's, yeah. Look at the people that have their hands up right now. Just kind of keep an eye on them a little bit. Uh, keep a little bit of an eye on them, just, you know, to be, be safe. Now, yeah, gasoline on the fire, that would be something. Now, guys, uh, I don't know. I, I love a good fire pit. I love a good fire pit. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but something that, this is something that I've noticed that happens, it seems like when I'm around any fire, it seems like every time I'm hanging out with people around a fire, this happens. And, I, and I'm curious to see if you've noticed it too. There's, there's kind of seems to be a moment where uh, maybe there's, you know, some people talking over here and then on the other side of the fire, there's some people talking too. And the conversation just kind of die down and the conversation just kind of lulls. And all of a sudden, Everyone, no one is talking and everyone's just kind of like looking at the fire. Like, I mean, seriously, like it, it feels like it's like, yeah, I totally, I totally agree with you. And, and I think that we should do that too. Like it, it's, but it, it's weird, but at the same time, it doesn't feel that weird. Like it feels kind of natural. Like you don't need to like break it up by like, just like, oh, like awkward silence. I need to get rid of it. Like it kind of just feels like it's this thing that happens and everyone's just like entranced by this fire all of a sudden. And then they're like, it's beautiful. I love it. And, but, and, and it's in these moments that I always wish that I could read minds. Like I want to know what is going through people's minds as they're looking at this fire. Like why all of a sudden did everyone just stop talking and look at this fire? So I don't know. I'm curious. I'm like, are they thinking about their day? Are they thinking about the last time they were on fire? Are they thinking about, you know, something from earlier in the week? I don't know. I, I'm just always curious. And obviously I can't read minds, so I don't know. But as I've begun, as I was thinking about the story that we're talking about tonight, which is a story of Jesus and Peter and some of the other disciples around a fire cooking a fish breakfast, as I was thinking about that story, I began to think that, man, if, if I had been there and I had had my mind reading abilities, I would have probably seen that, that Peter had some pretty insane thoughts going through his head, that, that he was really just quite uh, uh, distracted by everything that had happened over the last few days. Is there sure? Oh yeah, that's, that's the cool graphic of them and they're on the fire. It's pretty awesome. So before, b- 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 for us to understand why Peter 
had these thoughts, why Peter was experiencing what he was experiencing at the fire, we need to take a few steps back and rewind a little bit to the few days before the fire. So last week, if you remember, Emily talked to you guys about Jesus having a Passover feast with his disciples, right? And he washed their feet and you saw Mason's feet get washed and that was just wonderful. And we talked about how disciples of Jesus live like Jesus, right? So if Jesus is gonna go out and serve people, then we too should go out and serve people. That's just how it goes. And Peter, if you remember, was there and he kind of missed the point for a moment. He, there, there was a part where, G, where Peter was like, well, don't just wash my feet, wash like all of me. Like I want everything to be clean so I can follow you better, Jesus. I, not just my feet. And Jesus was like, you, are, you totally missed the point. That, that's not what we're really talking about here, Peter. And that kind of happens to Peter a lot. Well, it happens again. Because not long after Jesus says this to his disciples, he begins to say to them another thing, which is that what he's about to do, where he's about to go, the disciples are not going to be able to follow him. That what he's about to do, he has to do alone. Which for the disciples to hear this was a pretty significant thing because they had spent the last three or so years following him very, very closely. And so Peter does not like that he's not able to follow Jesus anymore. And so he says, no, 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 not me. I'm going to follow you and I'm going to die for you if it means following you, Jesus. Like he's like, I'm putting my life on the line. I'm going to die for you if I need to, Jesus. And then a very awkward moment happens that I have to imagine it would at least be very awkward in which Jesus then looks at Peter and he tells him, that over the course of the night, before the rooster crows in the morning, Peter is going to deny Jesus three different times. Peter is going to say that he doesn't know who Jesus is and it's gonna happen three times. And sure enough, not much longer after that, Jesus is arrested and then he goes on various, into various trials and courts through the night. And all the disciples, as soon as Jesus is arrested, they're gone. They're like, I don't want to get arrested. I don't want to get in trouble. I'm out of here. I don't want to die. Except Peter. Peter actually stays around. So it's like, hey, he's doing pretty good so far. So Peter kind of like doesn't stay quiet with Jesus. But he kind of like follows closely behind to see maybe I'll be able to like rescue Jesus or help him out later. Well, Jesus ends up in different rooms and trials that Peter is not able to get into. And so what ends up happening is that Peter ends up around a fire throughout most of the night, trying to warm himself, waiting for an opportunity to help Jesus out. Well, it's around these fires, it's around tr waiting for Jesus that three different times Peter is recognized by people as a follower of Jesus. Three different times people are like, hey, hey, you, you look like that guy that I've seen with that Jesus guy, look, you guys look, aren't you guys like really good friends? You're like, man, I, I, you've kind of been, been with him since the beginning, right? Like you're, you're, you're a Jesus follower, right? Or aren't you from the same area? Like, didn't you, like, don't you know that guy and you've known him for a really long time? Didn't you quit your job to be with that guy? Three different times it happens. And three different times, Peter says, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't even know who that guy is. What, what are you, who's, who's Jesus? I don't even, I don't even know who that guy is. That guy's weird. Three different times that happens. And so Peter, the guy who said, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to die for you. Even if all the other disciples fall away, I'm not going to fall away. I'm going to be faithful to you, Jesus. That guy, three times in a matter of hours says, oh, I don't even know who that is. And sure enough, after the third time, the rooster crows just like Jesus said it would. And so Peter is understandably crushed. He 
can't believe what he's done. And so the Bible tells us that Peter begins to weep and then he runs off. And we don't even see Peter again till after Jesus dies, uh, is crucified, dies, and then raises from the dead three days later. We don't even hear about Peter, anything. He's He's just gone to who knows where. So that brings us to the morning of the fire. It's happened after Jesus's resurrection. Peter is back and some of the other disciples and Peter have gone fishing. And they've not caught anything all night, not a single fish. Which if you'll remember, that was the exact same thing that happened when Jesus first called Peter several years ago. But they've not caught anything. And so they're in their boat and it's early in the morning and they're just discouraged. They're just tired. They're, they're kind of bummed out. They're, They just kind of feel like everything has fallen apart. They can't do anything right. And if you've ever gone fishing and not caught anything, you know that that's just discouraging. So that just makes things worse. And yeah, they've probably, they've heard these rumors about Jesus being back, Jesus having resurrected, but they've not seen him themselves. And so so they don't want to get their hopes up because last time they got their hopes up, they, they got crushed pretty good. So that's where we pick up our story in John chapter 21 says this, verse four, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, children, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off because he was working and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. They knew it was Jesus. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. So in this story of the disciples being bad at fishing and then realizing that it's Jesus and then Peter jumping in the water instead of just going back to the shore like a normal person in the boat and then getting to the shore and having all of this fish and then sitting down to a fire. There's two things that I want us to see in this story that I want you guys to hear. And it's the, the first one is that Jesus's forgiveness is greater than our failure. See, Peter was probably not expecting to see Jesus. And so I think that when he saw that it was Jesus, when he realized it, he had to jump into the water and he just needed to get back to the beach because he needed to make sure that that was actually who Jesus, that that was actually Jesus. He needed to see for himself that that's who that was. But as he was swimming those hundred yards, as he was getting onto the beach, I have to imagine that, that he began to think some different thoughts about what might happen when he gets to Jesus. I, I, be, I have to imagine that he began to think, man, I, I deny Jesus. I, I did things that, that I should not have done. And, and so I, I think Jesus isn't going to want to let me be around anymore. I, I think I'm not going to be allowed to follow him anymore. 
Or man, man, maybe, maybe Peter thought that his failures, his mistakes were, were too big. And so he wasn't going to be allowed to, to, to follow Jesus anymore, that, that him and Jesus were kind of done. Maybe he thought that when he got to the shore, Jesus was going to be like, what do you think you're doing here? Remember when you denied me? Well, it's my turn now. Peter, what, why, why would I let you follow me again? But that's not what Peter gets. He gets something entirely different. Instead of anger or rejection or uh, punishment, Peter gets forgiveness. He gets kindness. He gets a meal from Jesus. And, and we know Peter's forgiven because Jesus wouldn't have come back if Peter wasn't forgiven. Like, like Jesus came back from the dead so we all could experience forgiveness. But then he came to specifically find Peter to make sure that Peter knew he was included in that because Peter's sin to Peter had seemed so severe, so, dist so distressing that he knew, man, I'm probably not gonna be able to follow Jesus anymore. And Jesus said, no, you can still follow me. My forgiveness is greater than your failure. Of course, Peter's forgiven. That's what the cross is all about. In Ephesians chapter one, Paul writes talking about Jesus he says, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Sometimes I think that we think the same things as Peter. We think that, that we've messed up too many times or that Jesus' forgiveness isn't enough for all of the failure that we've had in our life, that it doesn't count, that our failure outweighs Jesus' forgiveness. And I think sometimes we think about it like a fire. We think about our relationship with Jesus like a fire. And we think that every good thing that we do and, and every right thing that we do adds wood or adds fuel to the fire. But every bad thing that we do kind of acts as like a, a fire blanket that, that we sort of just throw over our fire and it puts it out. And so sure enough, we, do, we just keep doing wrong things. We just keep doing bad things. And so we think, oh man, it's, just, it's ruining the fire. And then all of a sudden we think that our, our failures kind of just sit over the relationship, our relationship with Jesus and just puts it out. It destroys our relationship with Jesus and it gets to a point where it's too far gone, that there's no saving this fire. This fire is not useful for anything anymore. But this story tells us something different. This story tells us that Peter is forgiven, that Peter thought his, his failure was way too much for Jesus' forgiveness. But what he actually finds is that Jesus' forgiveness was a far greater fuel and was something that was far brighter and stronger and more powerful than Jesus' forgiveness, or that Jesus' uh, Peter's failure, rather, ever could be. We think that, we, we, we get into this mode of thing where we think that we're, we're too far gone. That, that we think our failures just destroyed our relationship with Jesus. He's not going to be able to forgive me this time. But this story tells us the exact opposite of that, that the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus toward you, seventh and eighth grader, is forever stronger than any sin or any failure you could ever experience. Our sin is no match for the forgiveness of Jesus. And this story tells us that even when we have sinned in what feels like the most powerful way that we could ever sin, what we instead experience is Jesus's forgiveness, that he comes to us. Jesus's forgiveness is greater than our failure. So let's keep reading. Verse 15 of John 21 says this, 
When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So the first thing is that Jesus' forgiveness is greater than our failure. And the second is this, that Jesus' mission is greater than our mistakes. See, now Jesus isn't actually talking about a real sheep here. Like there's not a sheep next to the fire that Jesus is like, feed him, he's hungry. That's not what he's talking about. Jesus is talking about the people that he cares about, the people that he wants to bring back to him. He's saying to Peter, Peter, there is a world of people that don't know who I am and I need you to go out and give them a meal, the meal of the good news of my resurrection because Jesus is the great shepherd and he needs to bring his sheep back. So three times Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? To match three, Peter's three denials, is Jesus rubbing Peter's sin in his face saying, oh, three times, you know what else happened three times? No, Jesus isn't being mean. He's not trying to hurt Peter. He's healing Peter. These questions aren't for Jesus, they're for Peter. He's saying, Peter, do you love me? I know, let's move on. Jesus knew Peter loved him. And so he's reminding him of the mission that Jesus has for him. Jesus is saying, hey, the mission that I have for you hasn't changed since day one. Since Jesus called Peter out of a fishing boat and said, hey, you're gonna fish for men now. Stop fishing for fish. I've got something better for you. Jesus is like, that didn't stop when you denied me and it's not stopping now. The mission must go on. Let's keep moving forward. It's because Peter thought that, that he couldn't do anything worthwhile for Jesus anymore. He thought that his mistakes were too much and that he wasn't gonna be allowed to follow Jesus anymore. But he was wrong, he was dead wrong. Jesus reminds Peter that, that his mission for Peter has not stopped. That there's a world of people that are dying without the hope and the forgiveness of Jesus. And Peter, I need you to go feed them. I need you to go tell them. And I think sometimes we think that our, we, we view our mistakes like penalties or like fouls in a game where if we get too many, we're, we're gone. We're, we're off the team. We can't play anymore. We're done for good. But that isn't how Jesus rolls. He says, do you love me? Then let's move forward. My forgiveness is greater than your failure. My mission is greater than your mistakes. So let's move on. Stop looking at the broken sin, your mistakes and your failures in your hands and put them down and move forward. Move forward. There are sheep that need a meal. There are people at your school that don't know Jesus. And I need you to bring me to them. There are people in your family that don't know me. I need you to bring me to them. Don't get so focused on what's in the past, on what's forgiven, and let's focus on what I have for you in the future. A door to a, the door to a relationship with Jesus is never closed because Jesus died on the cross to make sure that it would stay open forever so we can walk through it and go out to the people that Jesus has for us. 
Because what is true for Peter is true for you, is true for the people in your life that don't know Jesus or the people in your life that maybe knew him at one point but don't really follow him anymore, that Jesus came to you, that we can come back to him, that on our worst day, Jesus still wants us, that we're not too far gone, that we can't get out of Jesus's forgiveness. His forgiveness is wider and longer and deeper and higher than our failure ever could be. And so is his mission. His forgiveness is greater than our failures. And we can look at the cross and see that promise, see that it's true. And his mission is greater than our mistakes. So he says, let's keep moving forward. There is work to be done. So let's move forward. Jesus comes back to us so that we can come back to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you that your forgiveness never ends, that your mission is an unstoppable force. Father, forgive us when we sin. Father, thanks for the cross that we can look at and know that we are forgiven. Father, we, we know that we're forgiven, that, that you're not looking at us to make us feel shame or, or to make us feel like we can't follow you anymore. But instead, you're like, let's move on. You're forgiven. Let's move forward. There, there's things to be done. So, Father, for these seventh and eighth graders, help them to see that in themselves. Help them to see their self in, in Peter. To see that they're forgiven, that Jesus has come to them on their worst day and said, hey, do you love me? If you do, then let's move forward. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christ Church, visit us online at cco.church.